Okay, let's turn our Bibles to Matthew 5, verse 14 to 16. Again, you can, even, you can keep it open, Matthew's first book of the New Testament. If you don't have a Bible, by the way, you can come and grab a Bible over here. We love giving away Bibles if you don't have a Bible. Okay, while you have your Bible open there, I want to share with you, this is, it's, probably, it's, it's a very vivid illustration, but it's an illustration that got me when I was probably 19 or 18 years old. It's a, an evangelist came to speak, I can't remember where it was, and he used this illustration. And he was, he was trying to convey the message to us that we urgently need to seek out the lost. In other words, we need to develop a heart, a love for people, our friends that don't know Jesus. And he, he said he had this dream, vision, or just picture in his mind that one day when he, when he walks through to heaven, he's going to walk through to heaven in a glass tunnel. And in that tunnel, from that tunnel, he's going to walk over hell and he's going to see the people that he know in hell. That's, that's quite a vivid picture. And I remember being really struck by that picture. And if you, if you look for a biblical president, there's in, in Luke, uh, Jesus talks of Lazarus, the rich man, going into hell and just wanting to go back to his family and to his friends to tell them that this is not a good place. So I want to put this out there that there's an urgency in our lifetime to reach out to the people around us. That there's going to come a time where we don't have the time to reach out to the people around us. Okay, so that's the foundation <laughs> for this, this sermon. This is, this is the kind of urgency behind this message. So let's read Matthew 5, verse 14 to 16. It says, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bell. Instead, they put it on a stand and gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So there's a lot about light, and there's about us shining a light so that other people can see, so they can glorify, not us, but Jesus, our Father in heaven. Let's read another scripture, Isaiah 60, verse 1 to 3. And you can just read it up there. You don't have to turn your Bibles there. It says, Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. That's probably, if you've been in an intercession meeting, somebody has quoted this verse. Arise and shine, for your light has come. The glory of the Lord is upon you as rises rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you, and His glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Again, lots of light, and it talks about us, it talks about the church, it talks about the people of God rising with this light. That we have something and that's something we need to reveal to the world, and that is the light. So, 
if you, if you read scripture, you must also always read it in context. In other words, the, and the biggest context is obviously your relationship with the Holy Spirit. That's the most important context. Hey, God, what are you trying to say to me through this text? The other context is the context of the Bible itself. Because the Holy Spirit wrote the Bible through people. If you read Genesis 1, the first two verses, it speaks about the Holy Spirit hovering over the earth, darkness. And then God speaks and He says, let there be light. And then the Bible declares, and there was light. So now read Matthew 5 verse 14. Read that first part again. It says, you are the light of the world. So Jesus being God, he is speaking in the same authority that God the Father spoke when he created the world. So he's saying, let there be light in Rouen. Let there be light in Lyon. Let there be light in Lynn. And then we should actually add, and there was light. So if you truly believe God, and if you truly believe the word of God, you will know that you will know that you will know that you will know that you have a light coming out of you. If you've met with Jesus, then you have a light so bright, it rhymes, if you can write a rap. But you have a light shining from you, and the devil hates it. And then the last bit of that adverse, it says, Verse 15, neither, people, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl, under a bucket. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So not only do we have light, we are the light, and we have the responsibility of putting ourselves on a stand not under a bucket. Why? Because God wants to reveal through us the light that he, is, that he is himself so that people will go like, wow, you're you're amazing. I want to glorify God. Wow. Nikolai, you are so amazing. I can see the Father in you. I want to glorify Jesus because I see Nikolai's whole life is pointing towards Jesus. But unfortunately, in church, what we have done is we have created a theology that I would call the bucket theology. So I'm going to light this candle. If you've ever visited the Kango Caves, I remember when I was young, maybe, I don't know if they still do it, but you'd go into that big hall there in the beginning and then they would put a switch of all the lights, and then there would be this little candle somewhere, and they would say, hey, the guy who came in here came in with a candle. But you know what? All of that darkness, that cave darkness, that under-the-ground kind of darkness, it cannot, cannot take the light away from the candle. It cannot. Because... The moment darkness encounters light, darkness flees. Flee. Do you know how easy it is to remove darkness? You just switch on the light. 
It's not a fight for the light. It's not a fight for the electricity. You just switch on the light. But we have created a theology where we say that the light, yes, is powerful and it's Jesus, but the darkness is so overwhelming. And that's actually what we are doing. We are saying, you know what? The Bible says that we are the light. The Bible says that Jesus lives in us. And we're not looking at the dark because we don't understand that the light cannot be put away by darkness, but we actually put a bucket over our own light and we say, Yo, check it. There's no light. There's no light in my life. But all you've done is, it's not that the light is not there, it is that you have placed a bucket over your light. And one of the first lies that we believe is, we say, there's so much darkness inside of me, how can I be a light? A lot of you say that. There's a, when Samuel came to Saul, Samuel said, Saul, we want to anoint you as the king of Israel. And Saul tells Samuel, you know what? I am from the Benjamites, the smallest tribe of Israel, and I'm in the Benjamite tribe. I'm also from the smallest clan. So what is Saul doing? He's saying, hey, I know I have a light. Maybe you say I have a light. Maybe God has anointed me, but I'm just going to put a bucket on that anointing. I'm going to put a bucket on that light. And it's, it's funny if you track just Paul, Saul's life, and you'll see that eventually he keeps his identity of being the least and having so much darkness inside of me and being this useless little man where he gets intimidated by David. Because if he knew that he was, it's not about his tribe, it's not about the darkness, it's not about his history, it's about what God says about him, he would not have been intimidated by David. And probably he would have been king for a long time after that. But no, he looked at the darkness inside of him instead of the light. So the first lie that we believe is there's so much darkness inside of me, I, can't, I cannot be used by God. I remember at Stellenbosch, when I was still a student pastor, we would love it when people come to salvation. Those rough guys. There was one guy, he, he was from a Corsais called Esmare, and he walked down from his Corsais to Bohemia. Some of you know Bohemia and Stellenbosch. So he walked down to Bohemia, he was high on weed, and he had a vision of the hell. And he felt, in this vision, he felt he was going there. So he turned around, he went back to his hostel, into his room, he called his buddies, and he just prayed and he asked forgiveness, and so many of his friends got saved. You know what, he was probably still high on weed. He had so much darkness inside of him. But he encountered the light, and because of him encountering the light, he understood the power of the light, and he was just freely sharing it. But we have this thing in Christianity, you get saved by grace, and then you must work out in your own efforts, you must work out your salvation, you, and you lose that. Oh, oh no, no, oh, I, I've been so, so bad at, um, at that relationship. Surely I can't mean anything to somebody else. I don't even listen to my dad. I don't even obey my parents. My, my marks are, oh man, it's uh, so bad. I'm a failure in this. I'm useless in this. And what are you saying? You are 
elevating the darkness to a place where you're saying the darkness is preventing you from shining a light, but that's impossible. It's not logical. So there's so much darkness inside of me. That is a lie, and that is bucket theology. So this sermon is called Kicking, Kicking the Bucket. It's cool, eh? I thought it's really original. So you're going to die to your darkness. You're going to die to what the devil tells you. That's what we're going to do tonight. And then the second line we believe is there's so much darkness around me. And, he, and it's, a, it's a victim mentality. So he's saying, because of this, I cannot shine my light. Amor, you haven't seen my parents. Amor, you don't know where I come from. Amor, you haven't seen my marks. Amor, you don't know how shy I am. Amor, you haven't, you don't know how many demons I have. Amor, you don't know how I struggle with porn. Amor, you don't know how much I struggle with weed. Amor, you don't know how useless I am. What are you saying? You're saying that the darkness around you is stronger than the light inside of you. And that's a lie. That's bucket theology. You must kick that bucket. All you're doing is, because darkness cannot prevent this candle from shining. Is that, is that truth? Darkness cannot prevent this candle from shining. But you know, there's something that can. And that is you. Because you, it's like God has given you this bucket. And the bucket was there to put the candle on top of. But you have chosen to use this bucket to place it over your candle so that nobody can see. Because for you, it's easier, it's more comfortable to be to place your bucket over your candle so that nobody can see you because then you're not in the spotlight. You know, in, Af- in Afrikaans culture, there's a, there's a saying we say, the son skeinet se gatheid. Have you heard of that? <laughs> Have you heard of that? <laughs> the sun is shining from his behind. But if you take this scripture literally, it actually says that everything that we are, because it's, it's not saying we only have a light and we in our hand and we're shining. It says this is who we are. This is our being. God is talking about our identity. He's saying there is a light. You are a light. And in the Afrikaans culture, and maybe some of you have experienced that, the worst thing that you can tell Somebody is, you can say that he's windgat or that the sun is shining from his behind. That's the worst thing that you can say. And we have come to that place where we're like, hey, so somebody is performing, somebody is head boy, somebody has a great voice, somebody is up there on the stage, and your mom or somebody that's older will come to you and say, And that's, I know what they're saying, I know the heart behind, I know the, the motive. But you know what we, we are doing? We're not saying, wow, amazing. You have placed your light on the stand and people are glorifying God because of you. That's not the first response that we get. The first response is, hey, um, I would rather limit this platform that you have because you are getting windgat. You can't translate that. Just translate it to English, people. You understand what I'm, what I'm saying? So... The second lie is there is so much darkness around me. And then a third lie of the bucket theology is 
that light attracts too many mosquitoes. Sorry, I think there's a mistake up there. That light attracts too many mosquitoes. So because of your insecurities, because of you focusing on darkness, you're like, hey, I see that light of Tracy. And I'm like, she can't worship. There's too many mosquitoes around this light. What's happening? What's happening here? And you forget that a light will always attract mosquitoes. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to bring people down to your level. That's also bucket theology. You're not calling out the light, what Luke was saying. You're not calling out the gold. You're saying, hey, I see all the dirt. Don't, don't. You're not allowed. You're disqualified. Have you done this? Wow, useless. And you see all the mosquitoes, but you don't see the light. And then the fourth one that I see people do is, they like, yeah, okay, I know that I'm a light, but I'm going to go on my own. And I'm going to go on my own. So you never experience the pure joy of going with other candles into the darkness and just destroying darkness. You're not a co-worker. You are an individual trying to do stuff on your own. Because in a way, you feel more secure of only you and God, and God knows your light, and He knows your insecurities, and He knows your brokenness. So you're not going to do it, and you're going to share it with other people. Some of you really have a difficult time just to come to church on Sundays because of that. Or you have a difficult time of serving or going to a small group of doing stuff with other people because you're just on your own. You're just on your own. So that is all bucket theology. Then there's the other theology that I want to introduce to you, and it's, it's called stand theology. And it has to do with where we take the bucket and we put our little light on there because this is what the Bible says. It says, Put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others. So God is encouraging you. He's telling you, take your light, put it on a stand so that everybody else can see. And you're so afraid of doing that. So afraid of being vindgat. So afraid of people seeing you up there. But I must tell you, if you're going to do this, people are going to point their fingers and they're going to say bad things about you. They're going to try and take you down. But that's not, it's not our battle to fight. Our battle is just to shine the light, to reflect the glory of Christ. And it says that and say, they, they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So stand theology is that I am the light. Say that. I am the light. I am the light. I am the light. It also says that we are the light. You, we are part of a family. We are on this mission together. And you must... Think of the, who are the people that you are taking yourself with. If you're not playing the team game, that's not Christianity. The Christianity prayer to pray is not the my father. If you're not discipling people, if you're not part of this team, if you're not serving other Christians, if you're not, serve, you are not, you're not in the Christianity game. The Christianity game says our father. And you must ask those people around you, hey, 
do I act in a way, do I pray in a way that makes you feel that you're part of my family? Do you feel like family to me? And maybe you learn in this room, because of Christians that have rejected you, maybe the church has rejected you. And I want to say sorry and I want to ask forgiveness. And I want, I want you to ask forgiveness or ask God to reveal to you where you can connect. And we would love to speak to you and we'd love to pray, pray for you. Because that's, but, it, but it's so important. Don't because of offense, just walk out the door and try and be a light on your own. Because you're going to feel overwhelmed. It's not that the darkness can overwhelm you. You're going to feel overwhelmed. And in the end, when you feel overwhelmed, we're like, oh, well, it is better just to put the bucket on the candle. So if you're alone, if you don't feel connected, please come to me. Come to some of the leaders. And we want to pray for you and we want to welcome you. And we just want to say sorry because I know that churches have messed up. And I know I have sometimes, I have hurt people. And I'm sorry for that. But you cannot do it alone third one is god wants to place me us understand so this is it's difficult to believe but god really wants to do this because it's if we believe the word of god this is what he wants to do he wants to take all of you because he loves you he, he fearfully and wonderfully made you he wants to put you on a stand and he wants to Stand back and he wants to point the whole world to this candle and he wants to say, look at Thomas. He is the light. He is my light. He reflects my light. Look at him. Come to him. Go to him. Because he is revealing my glory. God wants to do that. Some of you haven't had that experience in your home and your dads have never done that to you, where they've called you up and say, hey, I just love being around you. Or your mother has never taken you into your hand and say, well done, sissy. Well done, boyki. I just loved looking at you doing that play or playing that sport, whether it was for the last team or the first team. You've never experienced that. And that's why when Jesus was baptized, the first thing that the Father does, it's not like Jesus needs affirmation. But he is giving us, he's giving us a method to follow when we disciple people. He gets baptized, he gets out of the water. What's the father doing? He's saying, This is my son, in whom I'm well pleased. So all of you that are sitting here, God's like, hey, I want to put you on a stand. I want to put the church in George on a stand. I want to show the world that the church, actually, we have solutions for the taxi association and what's happening in George with the Go George buses. We have solutions for the land expropriation ordeal that's happening in South Africa. We have solution, solutions for broken families. We have solutions for your studies. We have solutions for your financial trouble. This is, and some of you are already carrying it, and you have that solution in you, but you're like, hey, that's not enough because I have so much other darkness in me. No, I'm not going to talk to that guy about porn because I've, yes, I've overcome porn, but I'm still struggling with smoking. So now you're not going to share your story on how you overcame porn. But it's necessary because you placed a bucket over yourself. And no, no, I can't, no, I can't welcome people at the door because 
hey, what if, if they know that I was that person? What are you doing? You're just placing a bucket over yourself. So God wants to place me, us, in a stand. Say, God wants to place me on a stand. And the last one that I want to focus on is, is that we have a message of light. I'm not the only one that's supposed to share the gospel. Or Luke. It's not me and Luke only. All of you should share the gospel. What is the gospel? Gospel, it means the good news. And you know, when people are so sick and tired of bad news, they want to hear the good news. They want to hear it at your job. They want to hear it at the doctor. They want to hear it in their queue at home affairs. They want to hear it from their mother. They want to hear it from their friend. They are so hungry for the good news but somehow you think that your candle is not bright enough and you can't communicate the goodness of God, but you can. Let me tell you a story. So um, one of our pastors, Werner, he's a good friend of mine. He was in Survivor. Those of you, who, who of you are watching so, watch the Survivor? So he was, he was really good. I was so impressed by how, how did it. And, he, and he's, actually there's a sermon I posted on, on Facebook yesterday where he shares stories on just what happened behind the scenes. There's a lot of stuff, obviously, that can't cover during the, the hour slots on Thursday. And he, he shares a story. He says there was a lady, and she just mentioned, hey, I'm worried about my mom. I'm worried about a job. And he's like, hey, okay, great. Because they always, apparently, they prayed for the food. And he said, hey, I'll pray for the food. And he, he prays for the food. And he said, God, thank you that you have a solution to so-and-so mother's problem we ask for we pray for a job tears coming down why she is hungry she's not a believer she is hungry for the good news she is hungry for somebody to step out and to pray for the food in an unconventional way and say hey let's pray for her mother and then maybe on the side by the way say bless the food jesus amen And he's told me previously, because he's brilliant in evangelism, he says he would, he would invite people to their house or he would, at a rugby match, because he's a big rugby player, he'd say, hey, um, can, I, can I do the prayer before we start? Because everybody, every rugby game, every rugby match, people pray. Huh? I just don't know, everybody, they, they do that. And then footrele mekaar op op any game. So, and he's praying, he's saying, hey God, thank you that you're an amazing dad to me. And thank you that you love for your boys to have fun. Amen. What are you doing? You are communicating the good news of the Father. And some of you, there are people in your mind now already. You need to go and sit them down. You need to say, hey, listen here, my life changed. Can I just, can I be really honest with you? I did this and this and this. This, is, this was my thought life. I was really depressed, anxious about all these things. Met Jesus. I know I'm not perfect yet, but there's something that changed, and I've experienced so much, so much joy. Please, don't you want to sit down with me for a cup of coffee, or don't you want to come to me, come to church or to small group or whatever? 
Because somebody is waiting for you to take away the bucket and reveal your light. People are waiting for this. People are waiting for this. Because it's not the darkness that will prevent the light from shining. It's your own bucket. It's your authority. It's by your authority that you place the bucket over the candle, over the light. Okay, so there's, there's an urgency in the Spirit for us to get the good news out. Who of you know people that are not going to heaven? Who of you know people? All of us know people. And there's probably one person that God has already appointed for you to meet this week and for you to be the light. In other words, to share the gospel in some way with Him. And we're not necessarily open to that. So the first thing that I want you to do is I want you to say in your heart, God, I am open for you to use me. Just say, yeah, let's say. God, I'm open for you to use me. And it could be in the most politically incorrect situation. When you're talking to your mother-in-law or something like that. And you just... You're like, man. And then some, some people, I have friends that are crazy. Other guy went into spur here at Garden Root and he felt God telling him that he should speak to, the, to all the staff and just tell them the gospel. And you're going you're gonna to get there. If you want to do that, go for it. Just, just go, go for it. Whatever God's telling you and you can say, hey, I'm all, I, I try to be wise. And I felt this is what God's telling me. Just go for it. That's how revivals start. With people just don't care about what people think and just go for it. Obviously in wisdom. So God wants to use you because you are a bright shining light, all of you sitting here. And you know the devil hates it. The devil hates it. I shared this this morning, but I, I love encountering darkness. I love it. Because sometimes it's only in the darkness that you understand the power of your light. I have this 1,400 lumen um, mountain bike light that I have on my, on my bicycle. And in, in sunlight, it doesn't make a difference. But if, you, if it's pitch dark and you put that on your bike, then the cars that come by, they dim for you. So I'm like, wow, that's powerful. So I'm not saying go to the first Satanist that you know of and go and try and exercise like demons. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying position yourself where you know that there's somebody that doesn't understand who Jesus is or know who God is and then share your light. Like in counseling sessions, often people like, and then you're like, you pray, you say, in the name of Jesus, if there's a spur of anxiety, you're going to go now. And then you just see in these, people, in these people's eyes like, whoa, there's something there. I'll just talk stuff. And you see, you see the demon. Sometimes the demons speak, like in the Bible. It speaks. It still happens today. And then they would 
It'll talk. And one of the tools that I, that I use, I would say, can I tell you the story? Can I tell you what happened on the cross? And I would say, and I would speak to Armand, I would actually speaking to the demon and say, you know what? God loves Armand. He loves him so much that he sent Jesus Christ. And you know who Jesus is. You know who Jesus is. And God sent Jesus to die on a cross. He was brutally murdered by you. But Jesus defeated you when he raised. He was raised by the power of the Spirit. He was raised from the dead. And because of that, because of what he did for Armand and Armand believing in Jesus, Armand accepting what he did on the cross, you're going to leave now. And they hate him. Because it's light versus darkness. It's not armor. I'm useless. I'm not a light to my own. Only God is a light in me. And they hate it. They hate it. Darkness hates light. Okay, let's, let's stand. As you know, all the rockers was and so on now so gaan. Hey, even if you if you're here and you struggle with with smoking, God wants to deliver you from that. If you don't have a problem at the moment with that, just go for go for Jesus. Eventually, God will show you. He will reveal to you. But smoking, sex, smoking weed, all of these sins that we often just put high up there, they are easy for God to destroy. The moment, sin is, sin is actually so easy to deal with. It's those emotional issues, those beliefs that you believe about God and about yourself that's really difficult because those are mindsets. The Bible calls them strongholds. You're like, no, I will never be used by God. I have done this. I will never be good enough. I will never have a friend. I will never be loved by people. Those are, those are the big and difficult ones. Sin is easy because sin is stupid. You, go, you know it's sin is stupid. It takes you far from God. The one thing that sustains you, the one thing that brings you alive. You're like, if I, so when I, I was actually, I was actually, I'm just, I'm just being very, very honest here. I was already married and I struggled one night with lustful stuff. Lustful stuff. And then the moment I woke, woke up, I messaged my dad, I messaged my brother and my accountability partner at that time and said, hey, I'm not my own accountability partner. Hey, buddies. Hey, dad. This is what happened. And I never, ever again wants to, ex- wants to experience this. I never, ever again wants to feel that, I'm, that there's distance between me and God and specifically in this area. And I want you to pray for me, and I want you to keep me accountable for this. And then all of them like, yeah, yes, 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 yes. But I, I knew how to oh, need to go harsh on my sin. because It's not because I know it's wrong. It's because I know it's stupid. Amen. 